This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Coming at you solo today, but we will hear from Steve Geller here in a minute. And if you want to hear Steve the rest of the night, you can go check him out on WWL. He is hosting from 6 to 8. He hosts the second half, I think is what they call it after Mike Dettelier signs off. And then he will be solo on Friday because I am headed out of town. I have an elopement party that I have to attend in uh, the Great White North. Just, you know, collecting collecting checks, right? That, that's that's the deal. You get married and people give you give you stuff. Anyway, uh, so I will not be hosting with Steve, but you can check him out on Sports Talk, WWL, AM, 870 FM, 105.3, and the Odyssey app. Always free wherever you get your podcasts and all that good stuff. Um, but yes... I have lost my train of thought, so I'm just going to talk through it. We will be having a live mailbag in the final segment of this program. There's one more bit of news that I did want to get into that I meant to get into in the last segment and forgot about. We're all over the place. But the Saints, as I think we could have all expected, will not be on hard knocks. That will officially be the Jets, so we can all breathe a sigh of relief that we won't have to be you know, getting any of these viral moments ex- exposed on HBO or whatever they are. The Jets didn't want it either. The Saints didn't want it. I don't think the Commanders or the Bears wanted it. One of those four teams was going to get forced onto it, and they decided on the Jets. And, you know, if you look at the Jets and you say, hey, when's the last time the Jets made the playoffs? That would be 2010. That was the year they were on hard knocks. Rex Ryan was the coach. Mark Sanchez was the quarterback. And they went to the AFC title game for the second consecutive season. So, you know, while the Jets don't want it, if you are a superstitious person, as I am, it's probably a good sign that they are on hard knocks and Aaron Rodgers gets a pulpit to advertise his support for legalizing hallucinogenics because that's apparently the thing that he does now. But anyway, back to the topic at hand, which I know it's going to Alvin Kamara overload, but I do want to get you some more official sources than just just myself in terms of breaking this down. And so we were, Steve Geller and myself were able to chat with Amy Dash. She's Odyssey's legal insider and she runs a great website called leagueofjustice.com where she breaks down a lot of this stuff she was spot on with all the marshawn Lattimore situation if you remember marshawn Lattimore was the last guy who was arrested and we all thought he could go to prison for a felony and whatnot and she was spot on saying no it's this is just well, mostly just a misunderstanding in terms of how this all went down so i respect her opinion a lot and so here is that interview enjoy Thank you so much for the time, and I'm sure you have been quite busy today. Oh, it's my pleasure. How are you doing? Doing great. So Saints running back Alvin Kamara agreeing to plead no contest to a misdemeanor charge stemming from that Las Vegas assault. The big one, I guess, right now for Saints fans is, 
Is he going to end up facing a suspension from the NFL, the likelihood there? Oh, I think probably 100% likelihood. And I've actually never gone all the way up to 100%. As an attorney, I always try to say 99.99% to leave a little chance for any other possibility. But I think here, 100%, mainly because this was caught on video, um, very different from things that we've seen recently. And so I think that he would probably be best suited to come up with some sort of an agreement with the NFL, um, even if it ends up going to Judge Sue Robinson and they go through the whole investigation and the NFL makes a recommendation on the suspension. No matter what Robinson ends up giving, I think there's room here for him to agree to the minimum six-game suspension. And I think that would actually be in his best interest because there's so many aggravating factors here that can make the suspension so many more games. I don't see him getting four games or five games. It's a possibility. But because of the nature of the injuries, because of the fact that it's caught on video, I think absolutely at a minimum he's got to take six games, and it would probably be better for him to agree to that from the outset. So, Amy, thanks for coming on. You know, as you saw this kind of develop today, was this a surprise? Did you kind of see this coming? How did you kind of react to this news as it came out? Well, I think it's a huge break for him um, because of the location of where this took place in Nevada. The laws are really strict. I don't think he would have been offered a plea deal. Um, I think the reason he was offered a plea deal, it was either because his attorney has a great relationship, but I think the main factor here is that there was a settlement with the victim. And even though you're not allowed to try to pay somebody off to get them to not participate in a criminal investigation, um, oftentimes this is kind of the unspoken agreement that, okay, we're going to give you X amount of money. And then what happens is that the victim mysteriously, but not really so mysteriously, will pull out of cooperating Mm -hmm. with the prosecutors. And could they have gone forward? Yeah, sure, they have the video, so there was enough evidence to go forward. But a lot of times without the victim willing to go up there on the stand, the prosecutors will then be more amenable to a plea deal, whereas uh, if the victim really wanted to push forward with this prosecution, I don't think he would have been offered a plea deal. Amy, we saw that Camara wrote a Darnell Green Jr. a letter expressing his sincere apologies, and an attorney for Green says a $10 million uh, civil lawsuit was settled on confidential terms. Pretty large dollar amount there, if that's true. I think absolutely a lot of money was given to Green. Um, We saw that publicly they were able to release that over $100,000 would be paid to him for medical bills, but I think that was just the tip of the iceberg. Um, He's represented by the same attorney as Deshaun Watson was, and Tony Busby uh, traditionally wants apologies. That was a big point of contention in the Deshaun Watson uh, potential settlements because they couldn't get any type of an admission or an apology from Deshaun Watson initially, and that's what delayed settlements in that case because a lot of the victims didn't just want money. They wanted validation or an apology from Deshaun Watson, and he was proclaiming his innocence all along. Um, So so here, the fact that there's an apology is a big part of the strategy for Tony Busby along, obviously, with some sort of financial compensation in the big dollar amount. I, do, I just want to clean that up. Tony Busby, I think I think you said he represented Deshaun. I think he represented the victims, yes, correct? I yes, I misspoke. Yes, oh, he, he represented the victims, right. That's what he I thought, was yeah. the one who represented, thank you, yes. He represented the victims in the Deshaun Watson cases. Gotcha. And so, yeah, you know, you bring up the, the suspension that is looming, and it does feel inevitable in the sense that, you know, the player conduct policy is pretty straightforward of, you know, you don't have to be charged with a crime to embarrass the NFL and, and violate this policy. I think we have seen in the past 
that the NFL kind of errs toward over suspending people in the sense that, you know, there's going to be an appeal and they can always come down. Is that kind of what you think might happen here where you're looking at six games and then maybe you go to an appeal and, and you see if maybe the arbitrator will bring it down to a five or a four? Yeah, but I think there can be an unspoken agreement between the two sides that here's the strategy we're going to employ. If you're willing to take the six, just for PR purposes, we're going to go and we're going to recommend 10, let's say. Um, And then if Sue Robinson comes up with, you know, six, then we won't appeal or comes up with eight. We'll go and negotiate like we did in the Watson case and we'll come up with a joint agreement on six. Um, Because traditionally in the past, before they changed the whole procedure and brought in Sue Robinson as the independent uh, disciplinarian, and let's not forget the NFL still controls the appeal process, um, they used to actually punish on the lower side. Um, Even though they had that six-game minimum in place, a lot of times people would be involved in situations like this where there was no video involved, punish on the lesser side. Um, I think after what happened with Ray Rice way back when, when there was video involved and they punished on the lesser side initially, then the video comes out and embarrasses the NFL. So then they put this new process in place, and I think the fact that there's video again, that you have video capturing somebody who's down, who's being punched repeatedly, um, you know, who then sustains what they claim to be substantial bodily injury, uh, whether or not that's true, there are pictures that show, you know, something that looks pretty serious. So I think because of all of those factors, the NFL has to have him accept at least six games. Amy, obviously talking about the suspension and now that the NFL we've heard has been, you know, monitoring this situation, they're looking into it some more. How long do you think before we get some kind of resolution and finality to this from the league? I think because there's video and because Busby's involved and he had already cooperated with the league in a prior investigation, it wouldn't be hard to interview the victim here. Um, I think they were already willing to cooperate a long time ago. So I think based traditionally on what I've seen with the NFL, they're going to try to wrap this up before the season starts because they do not want this to be a distraction. So I think we're going to absolutely have an answer before the season starts. Yeah, so Amy, one thing that's really interesting about this case is not only how it played out, but the fact that it happened so long ago. And I almost wonder if, you know, that was an intentional thing. It feels like it had to have been where the further away you get from something that I don't know if it diminishes it, but it feels like, oh, yeah, remember that it was so long ago. I'm just curious if you think that was kind of a intentional strategy of, you know, what are we 18 months removed now? And does that lessen the the impact of what we're talking about? Or does it kind of weigh on the nerves of someone who's still dealing with this 18 months down the road. And I'm just, I feel like the attorneys for Alvin really played this about as well as they could have when all was said and done. Well, the legal process always takes a really long time. There are continuances on both sides because of scheduling. Like, you'd be shocked at how many ridiculous things delay a case that have nothing to do with the case. You know, the attorney's going on vacation, so they delay it another month. (laughs) Um, But I think that they're going to wrap it up relatively quickly, like I said, because they're under pressure that the season's coming up. Um, But they will not get involved in, in... Maybe they've started investigating, but certainly not in making a decision until the criminal portion wraps up. And it really literally just wrapped up. 
Um, actually, it even hasn't yet because a judge has to sign off on all this. Um, but their policy, the reason for that is because, you know, they need to see is there going to be conviction? If there's a conviction that changes the story, uh, is there going to be new evidence that comes out at a trial? We were expecting to see him go on trial later this month. So I think there are a lot of reasons why they're going to wait so that they don't interfere with criminal investigations, for example, when they're doing their own investigations. They don't want to talk to witnesses at the same time that police are. So actually, in this case, even though it feels like it was a really long time ago, and yeah, that serves their purpose of people forgetting about it, and now everyone's getting excited for the season. So they're like less, you know, up in arms at, for example, after the Pro Bowl, you know, everyone was like, "Why?" It was a big controversy. Why was wasn't he arrested before? Why was he allowed to play? Um, so certainly, a lot of time has passed since then where people have forgotten about that whole debacle. But really, if you're comparing this to other cases, they're going to be wrapping this up and deciding it. I think relatively quickly after the criminal process has concluded, which would be in the next couple of weeks, presumably. Awesome stuff, as always, Amy. Definitely appreciate your time, and thanks for fitting us in. Oh, my pleasure. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. And there it is. You know, so we had one comment here uh, from Elite Goods LLC. It says, we heard this live on the radio and said, yes, this was an interview that Steve and I did yesterday on Sports Talk. The funny thing is, I was not originally supposed to be on the show yesterday, but because of the Alvin Kamara situation, we knew that the best chance you were going to have to kind of catch up with people and get content that both served the radio broadcast and the podcast was for me to just go in and chat with Amy and, and these, and Steve live on the air. And so that's what I did. So yes, I, I did randomly appear on the radio yesterday. No one gave me permission. I just kind of went in, no one stopped me. So it is kind of a scary thought to think I can just get myself on the airwaves whenever I want without any, any interference, but that's what happens because Steve's technically in charge now. So I'm just like, Hey Steve, I'm showing up anyway. Fun fact. But I thought Amy's interview was really good. I thought she gave a lot of interesting insight. One thing she said that I think is easy to forget, the entire format and the entire system for how the NFL is operating as they look at Alvin Kamara and Alvin Kamara's situation, the potential discipline, is affected by the Ray Rice situation. That pretty much set the entire book for how the NFL, or I should say reset the entire book for how the NFL operates in these situations. He never played again in the NFL once that video came out. And I think that's why you look at this and you're like, okay, the video is there. So that basically guarantees there is some sort of discipline because that's pretty much how the NFL operates. If there is video evidence, you're suspended. Um, If the video evidence is bad enough, you might never come back. But It is kind of fascinating when you think about how this whole discipline structure has been built out from that Ray Rice situation. And to a lesser extent, Adrian Peterson, if you recall, he had that whole child abuse scandal around the same time. I don't know why it's running backs, what it it has to do with running backs that they seem to constantly be getting into trouble, but it is kind of fascinating. And I disagree 
in the sense that I think the NFL will be fine with the optics of handing out a six-game suspension that gets reduced. I don't think that they're going to have any qualms about that because of the way this ended up. If if Alvin had to go to trial and you had that kind of entire black eye of constant headlines of, oh, what happened today? And will he get convicted and blah, blah, blah. And then it got pled down. I think that there would be a bit more pressure to put a bigger suspension on him. And I also think that, you know, well, she's, Amy is correct that this 18 months isn't, isn't the longest time in this, in the scope of criminal trials. I do think that it does soften the blow of, okay, if this suspension happened last season, it would have been fresh in everybody's mind and they would not have gotten away with the optics as, as the Louise Walker is saying of the optics of kind of going soft on a suspension. This year, I think a lot of people were like, oh, wait, is this still going on? That's crazy. I don't understand why it's still happening. Oh, now it's a misdemeanor? Okay, NBD, right? I don't know. Either way, from a Saints perspective, from a Saints fan perspective, from someone who covers the team, I am just glad that we can finally get past talking about this in the frame of reference of will he go to jail, (laughs) right? Now we can just talk about this in the frame of reference of how can Jamal Williams and Kendry Miller – pick up the slack over however many games they have to. That is the only question. It is not going to be an entire season. In the end, this might ultimately benefit the Saints. And I know that's a weird thing to say from a guy getting suspended, but one of the difficulties in the running back position is getting to the end of the season and being the type of running back that you were at the beginning of the season. Alvin, if you go back to the 2021 season, right? He was dealing with an injury that entire second half. He missed, I think, four games, and that coincided with the five-game losing streak that essentially tanked their season, right? Those injuries pile up usually around the middle of the season. So maybe – actually, go back a couple years earlier, that Vikings loss in the playoffs. Alvin Kamara was playing the entire second half of that season with a torn MCL, right? Like like these guys are playing hurt even when you don't realize it. So, you know, when you you look at the grand scheme of things – Will the Saints benefit? Will Alvin Kamara benefit from six fewer games so that he can play the final 11 games at a higher level? I don't know. But it's uh, if you're looking for a silver lining, which I, I tend to, because why not? That's just the way I choose to live. That's probably what I would point to. But all right. I promise. Well, I don't promise. But I promise this is the last episode we will talk about Alvin Kamara's legal status. And moving forward, we'll just talk about Alvin Kamara. But we will be coming back with a mailbag. And I'm going to try to find non-Alvin Kamara questions so we can kind of move around on subject matter. But I have a feeling we're going to keep talking about Alvin Kamara. So get those in there. I'm going to go to a break here. And I'm going to star as many as I see. And we will get back to it. But again, this is Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. I think we have gone through a pretty exhaustive breakdown of the Alvin Kamara situation. They agreed to a plea deal yesterday. It's now a misdemeanor. The only question left, discipline. But all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening and stick around.